0: Funding for the Capital Weekly podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations.
1: Uh, greetings and welcome to the Capital Weekly podcast. I'm John Howard and I'm joined uh, by Tim Foster. Hello. And our special guests today are Brian and John Kabatek, or John and Brian Kabatek, whichever, however you prefer. Um, Brian is the uh, founder and managing partner of Kabatek LLP down in Los Angeles. He's a litigator. One of his bios said he's a vigorous litigator, which sounds dangerous for those of us who've had any contact with lawyers. Um, He's been on a number of shows discussing legal issues as they relate to Uh, litigation with companies, with insurers, um, product liability, safety, worker safety, you name it. He's been involved in it, and we're happy to have him here. He's an immediate past president of the LA County Bar Association and a former president of the Consumer Attorneys of California, uh, which is a major player up here in Sacramento. And John Kabatek is a present president of Kabatek Strategies, and he's a political consultant and a political strategist and a communications guy. For many years, a, a decade at least, he has been sort of the point person here in California for the National Federation of Independent Business. That's how I always think of John Kabatek, as a spokesperson and a strategist for business. He's got other clients, his company has other clients, um, including associated builders and contractors and the California Restaurant Association. And we'll get into restaurants, I think, during the course of this discussion, which uh, obviously is going to be talking about the coronavirus, which has sort of subsumed everything else, all coverage that's going on, uh, state coverage and national coverage, of course. But state coverage in California, it has been um, it's been dramatic. The impact has been dramatic. I think yesterday I counted four dozen stories today, more 50 stories or so in major media outlets. And that doesn't include a lot of local coverage that's been going on. So I guess, um, first of all, for Brian, uh, from your perspective, what does this mean to you in terms of this pandemic and how is it affecting the people you represent and your dealings with businesses and insurers?
2: Right. So it's an ever-changing issue, correct, that goes on on a daily basis. And, And one of the things I've been working on is the court, I'm um, uh, appointed to the Judicial Council Civil Committee. I've been working with our judge down here in Los Angeles. You know, the courts affect so many people in California, and I want to go off too much on a tangent on that, but um, we always think of the courts as, you know, civil cases like I handle and criminal cases like we see on TV, but they provide so many other services, and closing the court is a huge disruption. The right decision, the Chief Justice and the presiding judges made, but a very, very difficult decision because of the services they provide. But going on beyond that, uh, you know, I represent a lot of people who sue insurance companies. I sued uh, insurance companies most of my entire career for failing to pay claims. And we're just seeing a huge influx of claims being brought against insurance companies for business interruption and being turned down for that coverage, something that people paid for with their hard earned dollars. And uh, we're we're launched a a campaign to represent people and to fight the the rejection of this coverage uh, because we see that as a critical issue. We also, just generally speaking to clients and people who own businesses, you know, we got everything from small restaurants and small businesses that are closing and may not come back to large businesses, large law firms, corporations, which we don't represent, but we've seen the incredible impact on them. So-
1: are you, seeing, are you seeing suits from the workers as well as the companies? Are you seeing suits from people who work at business as employees going after their employers?
2: Right. So right now we haven't seen that because I think this is so new and fresh and, and we're not sure what's going to happen. One of the things that we see, though, and you know, I've been, not to, not to toot my own horn here, but I've been talking about the safety net that employment brings people and the problems with the gig economy. And uh, we know that there's a number of people in the state who are independent contractors, for better or worse, like it or not, and they don't have um, the safety net that, that people who have been employed have at this time. I mean, I think the bailout program, which I've studied extensively, provides those, those self-employed independent contractor types some relief, but that's really the whole thing behind the um, the gig economy that bothers me the most is it doesn't provide protection for somebody who, you know, should be classified as an employee.
0: Well, can you talk about how AB5 plays into this as far as so AB5 passed, it classified Uber, Instacart, uh, you know, all these folks, Lyft drivers as employees. I know that there is now, uh, you know, legislation, try, I mean, a lawsuit trying to forestall that where are they now so they have no rights they have no no right as an employee uh to sick time etc i i'm i'm really unclear on exactly where those workers or you know independent contractors as uber and lyft would classify them where those folks fall in right now
2: right so what happened with ab5 was it was intended to reclassify employees as employees people who were traditionally independent contractors and you know, I, I think it's fair to say that that it the, the statute probably needs some work in the long run, but let's just take the classic example of an Uber driver who um, now Uber has come out and said that they're gonna provide up to 14 days of, of sick leave or paid sick leave for people. I don't know how they're gonna calculate that. But an Uber driver who has never been classified as an employee, in my opinion, incorrectly by Uber, um, hasn't been paying into unemployment, hasn't been receiving insurance, hasn't been provided with um, the typical benefits that employees would have. And now, you know, suddenly wakes up one day and finds out that there's no work for them. Well, what do they do? Uh, and I think that's sort of highlights the real problem here. I know my brother and I have had many debates about at what point is somebody become an employee and at, at what point, you know, do they I just want to work five hours a week for this company and and that kind of thing. But um, it's it's a serious problem right now. And it's causing a serious problem in our economy when suddenly overnight, all of these people who were, uh, in my opinion, employees, but they were classified as independent contractors, suddenly are told there's no work for you. You can't work and um, we're not paying you anything.
1: Uh, John, uh, from your perspective, uh, how uh, readily compensated are these workers? I mean, do they have benefits? Uh, the Uber workers, the Lyft drivers, do they have benefits available to them under under the legislate under the proposals the governor has mentioned lately? Uh, is there something for them out there, or are they just basically flat out a lot?
3: Well, I think, frankly, there's going to be it's a lot of chal- There's a lot of challenges with AB five. I think um, you know I appreciate the fact that you know. Uh, Brian, and I've t- is right. We've had a lot of conversations about this. I know that today we're keeping more than a six foot distance between each other, <laughs> um, but uh, I-, I know that Brian and the author Lorena Gonzalez uh, you are well intentioned about where AB five is coming from. I think Brian's right. I mean, I think that they they're, they appreciate. I mean, there's a lot of problems associated with this, and I think, but I think. People aren't appreciating really the collateral damage it's doing right now. Uh, it's and frankly one of the things that gets lost in this discussion is I don't I think there's a perception and a constant call that all Californians uh, want to be full time employees and that's just not true. I think at the end of the day it's you know it's not just small businesses that want to work work with these folks more and have that flexibility and those who choose to be independent contractors, um, but many of them actually are one of the things that has got to be remembered is a lot of people are choosing to be independent contractors because it accommodates their lifestyle. We've talked to some NFIB members and others. One's a single mother of three who just got recently laid off, can't afford daycare. So she's working as an independent contractor because she can't afford to work in a traditional schedule. She can't find a traditional schedule. I have a former independent contractor worker who got dropped by an employer who chose this. In this economy, he got dropped uh, because of this the business Businesses are shuddering, um, and he chose t- he chose to be an independent contractor to care for disabled parents and can't work in a traditional setting. Also, a disabled uh, lady who says she can't work in a traditional setting. So. I think what we're basically finding, John, is especially in this crisis, businesses are shuttering and jobs are becoming more scarce. Californians, you know, are, are trying to become more creative how to make ends meet, especially in this COVID uh, era. But even before this COVID era, I think it's it's wrong to have a one size fits all law like this that, frankly, is so str- uh, stringent, and frankly, it's it's actually t- assuming that a lot of Californians don't want to be independent contractors, don't want that flexibility. Um, and I think as it relates to healthcare and other benefits, there's opportunities for folks to do that. If somebody actually in this economy, unfortunately, can't find a lot of full-time jobs, they have the opportunity to piece together two or three positions. There is opportunity in small group health insurance plans to get the health insurance they need to get the support. Well, sir, need. is there, a, John, is is I think there any also likelihood be, out
1: there Is there any likelihood out there that that, um, independent contractors could enjoy the same benefits in terms of the job perks or the job benefits that employees do, like disability insurance or paid family leave or unemployment insurance? Uh, Regardless of the classification, if you're an employee or not, if you're working for an entity, is there any likelihood that that entity will help provide benefits that employees get if you're working for the same company? Well,
3: I think it depends. I think it depends depend how many hours that person is actually working in a particular workplace. I think that it's if you've got somebody working for Joe's coffee shop who's putting in the full 8-hour workday 5 days a week um, and as a result, be receiving that the uh, health benefits and the employment benefits, that's a little different than somebody who might be choosing to come in two hours, three hours a day, choosing to work there two or three days a week um, that I don't think the employer, the small business employer should be on the hook to provide what they're doing with their full time employees, as well as the fact that that person coming in working a couple of days a week, John actually is probably doing it to get their own business started, choosing to have their own personal lifestyle and and accommodate that. And if they're choosing to do that, then they're able to find the revenue and the revenue streams to be able to afford their own healthcare. And a lot of people really enjoy their flexibility. I think there's opportunities for people who come in that an employer ought to, ought to take a look and ought to consider those health benefits, tax benefits for people who are working a full-time schedule. But it's very different. And it's hard to put a small business owner in a box. And AB5 does just that.
2: But don't you see the the potential for abuse and for employers taking advantage of people and wage theft? I mean, I certainly do. And what I see is I, I get the extremes. I get the disabled person who wants to work from home a couple hours here and a couple hours there. And I get the um, single parent who wants to pick up four hours a week, maybe working at the local market. But I just see so much potential for abuse. And I think really in the last 10 years, as this gig economy's ramped up, that's where the problem is. And now we're seeing it come to fruition. You know, somebody who... Is a, a clever employee identifies as an independent contractor. And then that person now is out of work, uh, has no safety net, has not been paying any money on unemployment. And let's, you know, let's be honest, there is this bailout and I've been studying it and there are opportunities that folks that are miscategorized can take advantage of that bailout, But without a bailout, these people would be, and I'm going to use a very, very technical legal term here, screwed. Okay, that's what these people would be, <laughs> screwed.
0: John, so I understand your, uh, your point with someone that's working two or four hours a week or something like that, of course. But I really wonder about the people that are working gig economy jobs where they're working closer to 30 hours a week and they're counting on that income. And, you know... I really wonder, again, I'm not an expert on labor law, but my understanding was that AB5 was going to classify them as employees. AB5 has passed. They're still not getting employment benefits. or still not uh, getting the things that, according to AB5, they are entitled to. And I guess I just am a little confused on where we are in that law and why, since it's already passed, this has not been, you know, this has not already set up. Is it because they have not been paying unemployment insurance all these You know, the years that it's been in existence, what is the reason that they're not eligible for unemployment insurance if they, if under AB 5 they're classified as employees?
3: Well, I think I think we've all phrased something very similarly here, and that is that AB five is very complicated and confusing. I think the best thing we could do right now, and I would hope Brian would agree, is that as we're looking at first of all some great benefits uh, and some great opportunities for the employees and the small business owners coming through Congress, uh, certainly some things that Governor Newsom is doing to actually kind of stanch the bleeding right now as small businesses are facing what's going on now is let's push let's push the pause button on this very complicated law. Let's let's remember, before COVID and before coronavirus happened, we saw AB5 almost as a patchwork Swiss cheese legislation. And it was actually, frankly, providing carve-outs to a lot of industries, a lot of bigger businesses that had that political muscle in the capital. Um, ironically, a lot of those industries that the author of the legislation and many others tend to demonize. So we, we have this Swiss cheese legislation that's very complicated, small businesses right now trying to make sense of that anyway. But now the good news is we do see some things coming out of Washington and out of Sacramento that will help small businesses and help workers as it relates to leave, as it relates to funds and loan programs. Let's push the pause button on this. And I think what I heard from the California Restaurant Association President Jock Condi, is, look, if without aggressive relief and without pushing the pause button on some of these confusing laws, the state right now is at risk of losing up to 30 percent of the state's restaurants, three zero. So, no question. Brian and I have talked about this. Let's, let, let's come back to a discussion on this. And we can certainly talk about a, a better discussion on a long-term strategy on employer-employee um, classification. So
0: the restaurants are certainly one of the I hardest hit industries currently under, under the COVID crisis. And I'm just wondering, Are they? do restaurants really have uh, independent contractors? I don't know... Maybe I'm maybe I'm naive, but what what sort of independent contractors would be working in, rest, in restaurants that would be impacted by AB5?
3: Yeah, no, I think that as it relates to some folks in the restaurant industry, there's probably some individuals uh, in the areas of you know, catering. You know, we might think about the catering community, uh, the food service community, folks who actually are some of these folks in the business. I would say correct. Most of them tend to be full timers. But again, my point is s- restaurants, just as one industry alone, are, are collapsing so much already at th- with a 30 percent um uh, closure rate we're looking at. Let's push the pause button on things like this, on the minimum wage increase, on some other things that are new costs and very confusing laws and costs, again, to small businesses until we get through this crisis. And then um, as it relates to AB5, Brian, I'm we've talked about this together in person and, and over the phone We should have a better look at that. Let's talk more carefully, but let's not make this a piecemeal mess, which it has become for so many small businesses and, frankly, for entrepreneurs who
2: are trying to make their way through this. Look, I I don't disagree that we need to have a dialogue about some of the issues with AB5, but restaurants aren't one of them. And, frankly, if a restaurateur before or after AB5 had some guy or some gal that he was using for catering events and handling them as an independent contractor – That would have clearly violated the law before AB5 came down. So but I really think that if you want to focus on the issue with restaurants today, it's that they've been closed by the government. Okay, And and I don't think anybody legitimately argues with that in a global sense, in a macro sense. Right. But their closure should trigger their insurance coverage. Most of these people have business interruption coverage. And I've been spending a tremendous amount of time working with counties and with the governor's office even to try to get the order clarified. that The reason for the closure isn't because the individual restaurant has the virus, COVID-19, inside the restaurant. It's because the government has determined that the restaurant needs to be closed to protect the public. And to hopefully trigger insurance coverage for these for these small business owners, because we do care. And I know my brother cares about small business and I care about small restaurants. Hell, I owned a restaurant for almost 10 years. It's very difficult business. And they bought insurance and they paid for it and they should be able to use that insurance. And so I think that's what's crippling the restaurant business. It's not AB5. It's the closure, this
0: a, I'm sorry, is this a question of, uh, of act of God? Is, is there, are they, are the insurance insurers saying that this is an act of God? That's not covered. I'm not clear on why this wouldn't be covered under business. No,
2: interesting. Obviously. We think that about 60 to 70% of the insurance policies have what's called a virus exclusion, and it says we don't cover damage to your business caused by virus. And our position is there is no virus in the business. There is no virus inside their individual business. The closure is because of a government order and other coverage in your policy will provide that under certain circumstances, business interruption caused by a government closure can be, um, be, tr- can trigger the, the, the business interruption coverage. And the carriers are- has the
1: governor addressed that at all, Brian has that been addressed by the governor that you know of or is, is there or is that part of the discussion ongoing right now about allowing businesses that kind of coverage?
2: We're ongoing with the governor talking about that and we're also talking to the various county health officials and county officials because really the closure orders, That pertain to a lot of these restaurants are from um the local authorities and we're not advocating in any way that the insurance commissioner or the legislature expand coverage we're just saying that under existing coverage this should be covered and the insurance industry's response that is oh we never intended this and you'll ruin us and we'll be out of business and you know they have reinsurance they've got other layers of coverage that they can provide and this is why people buy insurance so we think it's covered. We think the courts are
0: ultimately going to have to make that decision. I was going to say, this sounds like it's going to the courts.
2: Clearly. But we sure could use help of the counties um, to modify their order, to make their order more clear as to why they're closing. the business.
1: And restaurants aren't unique here, right? We're talking about a lot of retail businesses, places where people gather, flower shops. I think I just read about that this morning. We're talking about lots of businesses out there where, that serve the public directly and people come in. Uh, And they're trying to they're trying to get by.
2: Absolutely. It's a huge problem. And um, I heard a story, an anecdotal story over the weekend about a flower shop, small business that had to throw away about two thousand dollars worth of flowers.
1: What um, what recourse, uh, absent legislation. What recourse is there for members of the public, for example, that want to they want to patronize their favorite restaurant? I, I know some restaurant, at least in Sacramento, I assume elsewhere, are doing takeout. And you can call in and meet them at the door and get something handed to you, get your, your dinner handed to you. Uh, other than that, is there a way to work around this pandemic that's affecting just about everybody, everybody right now?
2: Um John, I think that's probably better suited for you. I, I can give my two cents from the legal world, but I don't think that people are near as concerned about lawyers as they are about restaurateurs and small business right now. Although we are small businesses. Remember
1: that. all your Support your neighborhood lawyer. By the way, do you work, Brian, do you, do you work from home? Are you working from home uh, now, or do you are, do you still go in, or how does, or do you do a lot of Zoom conferencing with with staff folks? How does that work? Yeah, yes to all
2: trying. of the above. I mean, um, we have an exemption in the legal world, and specifically because I'm working on this issue about trying to get insurance coverage during COVID nineteen. Um, I've been coming in, but you know, our firm has about 35 people and there are about four of us in 13,000 square feet on the 32nd floor of a high rise in downtown Los Angeles.
1: Wow. I could never afford you guys. I want to tell you right now, if I needed legal protection, I can tell right now, I wouldn't be able to afford Uh, you
2: I'd give you the family rate anytime. So (laughs) uh, I did find out on, we use Zoom and I did find out on Friday that all of our associates were using Zoom after five o'clock to have a cocktail hour. And I'm sure complain about me. Uh, and and work from home. You know it's okay right now. The legal world is okay. What I'm what I'm concerned about with the legal world is reopening the courts. I, I published an article in the Los Angeles Daily Journal last week, and it was on. It's easy to close the courts. It's going to be much harder to reopen them. But you know, John can speak to supporting your local business and your local restaurant. He's he's tuned in on that.
0: Well, I just have to weigh in and say that you can. You can do pickup. I was able to pick up a pizza from Zelda's Pizza here in Sacramento just the other day. Spinocchley. It was perfect. It was, you know, it was, I drove up into the alley, walked right in, got my box, and was out the door. But anyway, I digress. So, John, how, how can you uh, support, aside from ordering from Zelda's Pizza, how can you support your local uh, restaurants?
3: Well, and Zelda... Zelda's pizza is to die for. I love that. It's amazing. And I will say Brian and I have also been sharing a lot of technology, uh, even earlier today, sharing 1980s, favorite 80s tunes by phone. So uh, we're finding a way to get through this shelter in place. But um, I will say, you know, we are hearing a lot from small businesses. Obviously, my heart breaks for so many of them. But um, I also will tell you that while we're seeing a lot of challenges out there, I was on a call earlier with somebody who in the San Francisco Bay Area who also said that, you know, we're seeing some heroism, not just from small business owners, but from the employees, the people who work there. Uh, One guy in the she was from the central valley he said that the woman in the workplace was um giving her shifts away she was actually giving her shifts away to um another employee who needed that help so um but uh, that was before all this happened and at the end of the day i think what we're finding right now is a huge spike in small businesses Uh, feeling negatively impacted. NFIB ran a survey about 10 days ago, uh, and we did one just about three days ago. We saw just the most recent survey we did found 78% of small businesses are finding that they're negatively impacted. Just 10 days prior to that, it was at 25%. If it gives you uh, any indication of how they're feeling, um, and of their of their those impacted, they're cite, most are citing slower sales. They're citing supply chain disruptions. Uh, a lot of them are just, um, frankly, just now beginning to talk to their banks and SBA. But um, what I'll tell you is, we're hearing. Uh, Some things from from employers. And frankly, yes, you talked about food being available to folks and the deliveries. We've actually seen some amazing heroism with folks and some people who are um, in this new normal seeing some pretty interesting things. One guy who uh, and they're they're getting creative. You know, a lot of small businesses or owners are nothing If not resilient, Uh, we had a I was picking up Thai food from a delivery this weekend in Sacramento. The owner of the place basically said um, he's actually seen some of his sales increase uh, because a lot of folks have never really recognized that his company was in place and they're now getting online and finding out. So he's seeing some growth. But we've seen folks doing, I've seen yoga instructor members, karate school members doing video classes from home. Um, We actually had a, um, and we've actually seen a lot of small business owners giving back. Um, One of the things we found was we actually, there's a Long Beach distillery company that is now producing hand sanitizers. Go figure! They went from whiskey and bourbon to hand sanitizers, um, and then we've seen a lot of restaurants, just like we saw with these wildfires,
2: doing great things to deliver food, donate food, hey, John, help folks in John, their John, is that hand sanitizer any good over ice or with Coke? It's a byproduct,
0: definitely not. <laughs> that was a little. In fact, that was very popular during prohibition. Prohibition was a little
1: bit of hand sanitizer over uh, over ice, very popular. <laughs> you know, I read that um, the hand sanit- that kind of hand sanitizer that's being made is 70% alcohol, which is actually above the level for a really good sanitizer, which is supposed to have at least a 60% level. So it sounds like it's pretty good. It's also much higher than your
2: average bourbon. I love love a dual purpose product out there. So
3: yeah, we're seeing folks getting creative. We're seeing them giving, we're seeing them getting creative. We're seeing them giving back uh, and we're seeing them be nimble. And that's what is so amazing about, Uh, small businesses. But again, as I mentioned, as Brian and I often do the employer-employee back and forth, is I'm I'm amazed at how much heroism we're seeing from employees who are there to help each other
1: as well. Uh, Getting back specifically to AB5, the November ballot may have an initiative on it or will have an initiative on it. What's the latest on that? I know both of you guys work in Sacramento from time to time, you especially, uh, John, but Brian also. What happens in November on this issue? Well, there are questions about whether or not uh they can even
0: circulate petitions because obviously you don't want someone out there approaching someone and talking to them and trying to get them to sign something. So can you even collect signatures for this? You know, it's an
2: interesting little factoid. I've been investigating those signature gatherers and, um, they're misclassified as independent contractors. So just think of that. You've got somebody who's been misclassified as a signature gatherer who's collecting signatures to repeal AB five. Is that a conflict of interest? I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, that it, they're not they're not able. The word I've heard, John may have a different word on this, but the word I've heard is they, they're not gathering signatures right now, at least not the traditional way of, you know, parking lots, street corners, shopping malls, things like that. Just not happening. And the question is, will they, you know, be able to um, qualify in time? And I think that the qualification period is coming up pretty quickly, isn't it? Be, that They've got to have their million or so signatures in.
1: Yeah, I think it is. I think Pretty it's the June. end of May or it's, early June. Yeah. It's coming up. It definitely is. And it's not only affected that initiative but others as well. I think the split roll is already delayed or maybe taken off already. A lot yeah, of a this. lot a lot
2: to know. I mean, are there are these going to appear on the ballot? I don't know. Um
1: well, absent that, uh, the is there any will in the legislature to t- sounds like there is to tweak AB5 in some fashion. Talk, there have been talks, they're talking about it now, I guess, probably remotely, I guess. They're certainly not meeting right now in the Capitol, as far as I know. But uh, even without a ballot initiative, is there, is there something afoot as far as changing that law goes?
2: You know, I, I would like, I think this is one area that my brother and I agree on. I think that that I'm not sure we agree to what extent it needs to be modified. I believe that the... that. There should be some effort. And I think that my brother and I maybe agree on, maybe we don't agree on the specifics, but we agree that there there might be some need or some effort to to tweak it a little bit. Uh, I know the author has been um, you know, steadfast on this and I respect that. I probably have a different opinion of her than my brother does, but I respect where this came from. And maybe we needed to start very big and now work it out. The only problem is I've been involved in legislation before where, you know we we start with a with a good concept and then you end up with so many exceptions you can drive a truck through it um and that's what i'm worried about here is that you know we want to create an exception for example um independent contractor freelance writers have approached me and and talked to me about this it's not fair you know it's how we make our living we write for four or five different or more publications okay sure but how do we come up with something that makes sense that, that ultimately makes sense, that doesn't end up at the end of the day giving employees no benefit. Maybe we were better off with the uh, California Supreme Court decision that started all of this and just going back to that with a hard and, and fast rule. I don't know. John, what are your thoughts?
3: Well, I look at AB5, and, and, and yeah, Brian, I think we both agree there's opportunity to make some fixes here. And I, I, I think where people are, unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of trucks already driving uh um, through this whole AB5, ironically, it started as a truck driving law and issue, right? Lawsuit. Um, but I am, we're seeing so much, it's just such a mess and so confusing. And what I have told people here in Sacramento to their, to their face, a number of folks in these industries is uh, it must be nice. It must be nice that you're able to get this particular carve out because small business owners, you know, don't have that luxury across the board. And so we, we should come back when the legislature comes back. And I think Brian and I have talked a little bit about this. We should have a more in, in-depth discussion about how AB5 can work better to both um, create pathways for Entrepreneurs to launch their businesses because that's what how independent contractors have begun and started their own business, but also help to protect legitimate workers. I mean, um, right now, as as the law stands, businesses are. are are prohibited from contracting with other businesses that provide services to their customers. We should have some more broadly based and broadly defined business to business exemptions, for, a, for for example. But I think that's one example where we've had some discussions and some interest from both Democrats and Republicans in the Capitol who, number one, recognize this is a complete mess. And number two, realize that there should be a better way to, again, create pathways for entrepreneurs and protect legitimate workers in the workplace. And I think that is something Brian and I, you know, are to continue to we're over a over a glass of hand sanitizer together when this is all over we're going to kind of figure out how we might be able to. you know i'm the funnier
2: out. brother right hey
1: john on that point um john on that point of businesses hiring other businesses uh i didn't know there were any prohibitions against that and i see that all the time in terms of the lobbying community here in sacramento where lobbyists routinely hire other lobbyists often to help them advocate on the issues they care about or help them dealing with their clients or help them in a number of ways. Uh, and that's, uh, that's taken, you know, that's standard. I see that all the time, especially on big issues, especially on a big telecommunications bill or an AB5 yeah, for that matter. John, I
2: don't know what you're talking about there. You're talking about the joint employer rule? Yeah. Right now the way AB5 is designed is it actually prohibits companies
3: from working as brokers for customers that, that are actually seeking service providers where like the broker's clear, he isn't in the business of providing X services Um, and is merely facilitating that connection uh, to those who can handle the project, to handle X project, so uh, we think as it relates, and especially as we've heard from both folks on the left and the right in the capital, there should be a better way to define if a if a business, if somebody has established and gone to the trouble and the uh, extent of creating an LLC or a corporation or a business, um, and actually is licensed and wants to do business with another business, there should not be as many exempt. Uh, there should be more exemptions, and there should be a more broadly defined find exemption for those uh, who actually want to be able to do that. And right now, AB5 is a but little too But here's why I constrict- part company
2: with you on that, John. First of all, that that sounds an awful lot to me like um, give businesses a license to do what they want because they've started a business. And I know you don't mean specifically that, but I always get concerned by this entitlement of business owners to, you know, I, I put my equity, my sweat equity in this business I should be able to do X, Y, or Z. Also, I've got to correct you on this because I don't not correct you, but you know, so I do sound like the older brother now. I got to say that that it is traditional for labor contractors to be available to you know hire out labor. So, in in see, think of it in the farm workers situation. Um, you own a farm. I have a labor contracting company. I can provide you with labor. For your, for your farm on a seasonal basis or a part-time, a, a periodic basis, but the, the, the law is that the farmer is not insulated from that because they've hired a contractor, and I think that's a good law. I think that the farmer needs to make sure that the labor contractor is following the law when it comes to his or her employees.
3: And I think AB5 jumps in where actually we currently have labor law with the Division of Labor Standards and Enforcement and state labor law that are already in place. I think AB5 is a, is an overreach, and I hear it from a lot of people. We have labor law enforcement currently in place. And I think I've said it before on this podcast that I think a lot of the motivator behind this in many ways, maybe not completely, is an opportunity to unionize a lot of businesses and i do believe that is absolutely a motivator uh so i think that we need to where we both agree brian is we should come back and i think we should have a larger discussion on a long-range strategy related to five but now while people are frankly shutting their doors businesses big and small are shutting their doors we should be giving small we should be giving californians any pathway uh, to, cre- to create the income that they need to put food on the table, provide for their families, pay the mortgage. In addition, again, to the great uh, benefits that we're seeing coming out of Washington and Sacramento, they need to survive. And there's just not enough jobs right now for people to survive. We should be creating Hey guys, I've
2: got a quick question for my brother during this, um, this coronavirus, COVID-19 shutdown, self-quarantine, all that kind of stuff. Do you
1: mind if I ask my brother a quick question? sure be my guest Uh oh hey we can always cut it out it's okay
2: (laughs) are you showering john are you showering and bathing during this period i just want to know be honest i don't need to shower i have hand
0: sanitizer (laughs) i'm i'm lathering myself okay on that happy
1: note folks (laughs) i think we've now learned exactly too much thank you very much john kabatek brian kabatek thank you very much Tim Foster, thank you very much. And sure. uh, this is John Howard saying uh, we be will safe see everybody. you next time around. Take care.